Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by the delightful Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? Actually, no, maybe so, maybe today it's the caffeinated Brie Tucker. I just had- The like, caffeinated Brie Tucker I, everywhere. I got a, a Vente espresso today, so oh. it's rainy. So I'm a little- here. That's why I'm making it, it is rainy, and I'm a little caffeinated as well because I woke up at 5.45 this morning <gasps> because today- Today is Red Cup Day at Starbucks, if you did not know. And Red Cup Day is when they give you the Red Cup. Yeah, you know Red Cup Wait. Day. Red Cup with the holiday drink. I sent, you, I you sent Miguel Starbucks. to get me this at, from Starbucks, oh. and you're telling me that man he, missed my Red Cup. He missed your Red Cup. Oh, he missed your Red Cup. going down. He's going down. So, <laughs> it's only for holiday drinks, though. Oh. Or you have to, like, ask for a Red Cup. Darn, yeah. I did not order a holiday drink. Oh. Yeah, well, yeah. Last night, my daughter, 14 years old, asked me if I can take her and her friend to Starbucks this morning for Red Cup Day before school. And I mean, their school starts at 7.20. And so we have to get there at like 6.30 a.m. at Starbucks. And I wake up early anyways. And so I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. And I ask, I guess, like my 10-year-old son, I'm like, do you want to wake up early and come do this? He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it too. So we all got out of the house and uh, we went to go pick up her friend. And her friend lives like only less than a mile from us. And it's so easy. We pick her up and we go to Starbucks and we just, we hang out, we eat breakfast there. And then I take them both to the dreaded car line, which like, oh, I have so many things to say about the high school car line. So many feelings. But I'll save that for something else. So many feelings <laughs> oh, many about the high school. Like how it takes 30 minutes, 30 minutes for the car line. And like every Sunday in the newsletter, the principal is like, please, our neighbors in the surrounding neighborhoods have said a lot of parents are dropping off their kids at the park and in the neighborhood. We're going to be forced to enact consequences oh. for the parents who are dropping off outside the car line. Really? And what exactly are really? those consequences? I'm curious. I'm like, what are these consequences for using public streets <laughs> and dropping my kids <laughs> off at a public park to walk in to the school, which takes me, by the way, from my house and back, dropping off at that park, 10 minutes. If I did the car line, 40 minutes. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I went on another tangent there, but I thought it was deserving because I did go through the car line <laughs> for these teenagers, which is what we're talking about today, about kids hanging out with you as an adult. And we're going to go into it, Brie, because you have stories as well. Oh my gosh, kids. yes. I do because I have two teens right now. I swear I run around the house constantly trying to get them to hang out with me. And I was singing to you before as I was like going through the title of today's episode. I'm like, all I can hear in my head is cheap trick. I want mm -hmm. you to want me. Like, yeah. That's just me, twenty four seven, twenty four seven begging. <laughs> Please begging. hang out with me. Please. Oh. So we have a lot to talk about here at the No Go Mom Podcast, and now on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible, and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Okay, Brie, I want to dig a little bit more into this situation you have going on okay. with your kid. And 
what your feelings are. Well, okay. So like, I think I always say to our balance members that I feel like everybody needs that ghost of, of kid future friend. You need the friend that can tell you what it's like in five, 10 years ahead with their kids and can help get you out of the weeds. Because I remember when my kids were little and just wishing I could pee by myself. I could sit on the couch and not have my kids sticky fingers all over me, be laying on top of me, like all of that. And then now they're teens and I'm the one who's like laying on top of them, acting like a smart aleck, just trying pay attention to me. You can't ignore me when I'm right here. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know me. Just so needing you know that attention. Me. <laughs> like, I've turned, oh, in, yeah. I turned into a, a needy Yorkie. <laughs> like I've turned, I've turned into that little, a little like yep, 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 they're home yep, 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 running up and down the stairs chasing <gasps> after my kids oh my god they're here they're here they're here but you also have the situation where you don't have your kids full time and so I think that plays into it oh I totally think so like it just hit me when both of my kids hit high school when my first because my kids are mm-hmm. a year apart in school so when my son hit high school I was like okay great this new experience it's fantastic I'm also still dealing with two schools at that point because my son's in high school. My daughter's still in junior high, but it was still not that hard when I had two different schools going on because, you know, you're dealing with it. You're talking about driveline, right? I'm dealing with the driveline drop off at one school, driveline drop off at the second, and also just trying to get the times worked out between the start times at the two different schools. But then once my daughter started going to high school with my son and my son had his license, so then they're driving on their own. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh my God, they're going to be gone in a couple of years. And the fact too, that they're not here all the time. I don't yeah. know. Like when they're, when they're at their dads, just the way that we do things, I, I don't get to talk to them as much when they're at their dads. So I don't know what happens in their life for like a whole week. And when it comes to these teens, you got to take what you can get, right? Sometimes your conversation yeah. is just the car ride home. And I Mm -hmm. lose out everything that happened that whole week. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm having this like withdrawal. Yeah, I I get that. I mean, I, (laughs) there are so many ups and downs. I feel like with both of my kids that it's a little easier, I think on my end, just because I see them all the time. Like I don't have this withdrawal that when they do have these downs, I'm like, okay, well, that'll pass versus like, oh, well, that'll pass. And then they have to go away for a week. And then I have like, I think I would seriously be freaking out for sure. Well, Mm -hmm. you also have like a a little bit because I have the two teenagers and you have at Mm -hmm. least one that's still in upper elementary, you know, almost middle school Mm -hmm. there. So like, he still kind of likes hanging out with you. (laughs) I have two that are like, bye. (laughs) My daughter actually still likes hanging out with me as well, like a little bit too much sometimes. Well, then (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) well, I'm just like, because I'm kind of like one of our guests when we first started the podcast, Dr. Lisa Bravo. I remember this very well. She said, Yeah, you have to like be ready to talk to teens when they're ready to talk. And a lot of times that's late at night because their circadian rhythms shift Mm -hmm. and everything. And I'm like, But Dr. Bravo, I can't. I am the one who shuts down at night. That is when we talk about body budgets. Like my body budget is full. I cannot handle any more peopling. Even if it was my wonderful children, if they come to me then, I am like the most crankiest person in the world because that is just how being sleepy affects me. And that's when she comes in and talks. Of course, of course it is. Like last night, 10 p.m., I'm reading in bed my new spy novel and I'm all comfy under my covers. 
Uh, and she comes in and she's like, hey, mom, can you help me go through these questions for AP seminar and figure out how to answer these 20 questions? And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> and I'm so tired and my eyelids are drooping closed. And I'm like, I just want to read my spy novel. And I close it and I'm like, if you read me the questions, I will help you think through them. And I'm here breathing on my side because I get so irritated at night. That is when all my patience just flies out the window. Because you've been holding it together all day. You've been holding, I've been it, holding together. it together all day. all day. Yeah. So we go through it and I ask her these things. And part of them, like teenagers are also very argumentative. My daughter was argumentative before, but I think as a teen, it's a higher level because like some of the questions are like, yeah, how did your group members change your perception of the issue? My group members didn't, they don't do anything. And you're like, like, well, that's helpful. Okay. So <laughs> that's if great reflection. They did something, yeah, that's great reflection. If they did something kind of little, like the littlest thing. Well, they made me figure out like what I didn't want to do. Okay, let's think about that farther. <laughs> so you it's like, yeah. It's two things. You you think like, yes, they're here to talk, but also, okay, keep it together. They're a child. They are in need of teaching. They're not an adult. I will go. I know. It's it's really hard. It's so it's, it's such really, a really different hard. it's such a different stage. And mm-hmm. I think that's like a big thing that we need to talk about that like this is a normal stage them having this extraction from you. And that yeah. it's normal for you to sit there and suddenly feel a little bit of withdrawal from that connection that you had with them mm-hmm. and to start doing all the things, the begging, the bribing, the, and I've even had, okay, I I've gotten it on, on good account from some teens that I know very well that yes, wait, 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 we, we want to hear what these teens have to say. So let's save it until right after this break. I've been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs even on busy mornings. And oh my gosh, has it been busy lately. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day. And it makes me feel energized. Even like I still add the coffee on there because I like it a lot. AG1 tastes really good too. And I enjoy my glass every single morning. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. And that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. That's drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. Check it out. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. 
On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. So, Brie, you were just about to share. You have it on good authority from some teens. Yes, I have so it. What are they? I have it on good authority from some teens that <laughs> they are getting forced to spend time with their family members or punished if they don't spend enough time with their family. What? And I don't like how. Like, just I mean, and there's something. I for sure feel to be said for, oh, we're going to have family game night. Oh, we're going to go to the movies together. Oh, we're going to go out to dinner together. But this is where like every week it's, well, we, the parents want to do this. So you guys are going to sit and do this with us. Maybe it's play a game. Maybe it's going somewhere, but it's they're They're being told you absolutely have to go and do this. You have to talk to us and you have to smile and you have to act like you're enjoying it. And that's oh, where I'm like, that's, wait a that's minute. That's a hard one. <laughs> so, so what I'm hearing is you feel like you're being punished and forced every week to spend time with people that aren't listening to you, have no care about what's going on in your life or what your likes or interests are. And they'll be like, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't seem like a very good method. <laughs> no, I would be so mad. And like, I hear a lot of stories about like, you know, we were warned, get ready. Your teen's going to rebel. I don't see this rebellion happening in either of our houses, really. The sneaking out, the refusal to completely like disregard every single expectation we have of them. Like, I don't see this rebellion happening, but I do see the rebellion happening in houses where teens are forced to do things and aren't listened to. Yeah, 100%. I think so. Like, it's normal that teens need some space and they need some development. And we are, and I am by no means saying that I know all about teens. Like, I am in the the thick of it right now. I do have my friends of- Both of of us are. Right? And and we do have our friends of ghost future, of of kid future Mm -hmm. that- are past this and can tell us like, yeah, that's normal. I call, I honestly, I call my oldest sister Shanna all the time. I'll be like, (laughs) did your kids do this? And she'll be like, yeah, "Yeah, that's normal. Or nope, my kids never did that. I'm sorry. And I'm like, damn it. (laughs) Damn it. Because it happens. All kids are different. I know, but it makes me feel so much better when I hear somebody go, oh yeah, that's totally normal. My kids totally did that. And I'm like, oh, okay, good. It's not just, it's not just me screwing them up or my divorce. Well, it's also like a (laughs) a change in how we have to interact with them. It is. Because like my daughter is very vocal when she doesn't like something, which I'm really proud of her for because she has, (laughs) I always tell her, I'm like, I want you to be able to grow up and be able to tell people when you don't like something or when they're disturbing a boundary. And she's like, mom, I have no problem with that. And I'm like, you're like, I believe you. I see this every single day and I do believe you with that. But so she's told us before, she's like, I don't like you guys making plans without talking to me about these plans first. And that's what we did when she was little because she was excited about every single thing we did. 
yeah. every single thing we did. And that is a, that's a transition. And I told my husband, we were going to go to Top Golf on Saturday night and we were planning this. And I'm like, wait, 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 hold up. And my daughter was at, out somewhere with friends. And I'm like, you better text her and you better ask her what, if she wants to do this and if it's okay. And it feels so wrong to be asking your kids, hey, is this okay? Do you want to come? Because it's so different than the interaction we had in the past. And he's begrudgingly like, okay, okay. Well, because he's had to deal with the fallout and I, as well. I, we haven't done that. Well, <laughs> and I do think like real, just throwing this in there, there's a piece of it as a parent where you're like, you see it from a, a distorted view outside and you're like, oh, wait a minute. I'm letting my kid call the shots because I'm asking them mm. for permission. But that's not what's happening. That's not I just, it. I needed because... to, to clarify that for people listening to the story. You're not letting one person dictate the whole family. No. That's not because what you're doing. As a teen, as like almost 15 now, if she did not want to come, she could just stay at home. We'd be fine with it. We would still go and we would have a lovely time. And so by him texting her, she replies, yeah, sure. That sounds fun. And he's like, wow, you were right on that one. I'm like, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she likes to be consulted right. with uh, like you know, things, as everyone does. Exactly. Everyone does. Exactly. And I think yeah. that's, that's a big thing. So like, all right. So in this episode, we have three things that we're going to share with you guys, three tips on how to get more quality time with your kids. And mm-hmm. I think that you really just hit the nail on the head on that first one. Because the first tip is that you need to recognize that this stage where they're wanting to be more independent and they're withdrawing a little bit from their hanging on to your, your pants, like all the time, you need to recognize that that can start early. Like that could start. It's, it's to me, it was a little shocking when it started for my youngest did it before my oldest did. So my youngest started kind of having her own. I want to do things on my own when she was probably like 11. And then my oldest didn't really get that way till he was probably like 13, almost 14. But recognizing that they need this space and that they need to be able to articulate their boundaries and what they want in a mm-hmm. safe environment, because by teaching them that they can't talk to you, they can't say what they want to do, it's only going to get them in trouble, right? Like you were just talking about that with your, it kind of, it, it makes them in a place where they're like, okay, I don't speak up to authority. I don't speak up yeah. in general. Yes. And that is something like I want my kids to be able to do. Like you got to speak up to authority because like my son, it started for him already. He's already told me, he's like, Hey, can you knock before you come in my bedroom? I love that. Can I say that? I love that. And he's very matter of fact, because usually he's playing like a video game and I'll be interrupting him or he's on with his friends and they play Minecraft. And like you were just over yesterday and you heard him screaming on Minecraft. (laughs) And it's the funnest and cutest thing. And I love that he's already saying those things to me and already saying boundaries because that is something that I think our generation did not get. We did not get those those boundaries. It was like, you need to come along. You need to smile. How dare you for acting that way during dinner? It was so immature. It was so immature. Do you remember the fad of taking the, a door is an, is a privilege? Like when parents would take oh, doors off their the door off the room. My mm-hmm. parents never did that. Oh, but I knew several no, my friends who did. It. And it was all over, it was all over like TV shows and stuff too. It was like a normal thing. You don't mm-hmm. get privacy. You don't get, you don't get your own opinion and you don't get privacy. And I don't think any of us want that for our kids. So Mm-mm. that first thing is just recognizing that this is normal for them to go through this and that 
it is a process and that you, like you just said, they're kids and we can still help support them in it. The support just looks different than it did when they were younger. It does look different. And those fears still go through your head. Our parents' fears of like, they had to take the door off because you don't know what they're doing in there. Oh, yeah. And they can't be doing anything bad in there. It was like when my my son, my 10-year-old son, and I joked about this with you yesterday, he like yeah. called me on his ride home and he's like, hey, can I stop in the park for like 20 minutes? And I'm like, yeah, sure. You could stop in the park for 20 minutes. And I hang up and I'm like, Bree, what if he's like stopping in the park to hang out with all the druggies? And they're like all vaping in the park. <laughs> and we started laughing. And we're like, not- oh, he's not hanging out with so-and-so and so-and-so. So it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're our friends. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like all of those the ideas like still enter our minds oh, yeah. when we do this. 100 We recognize them for what they are. They are ridiculous. They are placed there by like years of worry and these fears coming through TV shows, a, which are like dramatic. And a drop of maybe personal experience when we were teens. <laughs> like, yes, you know, it just a drop of that possibly. <laughs> and I think that actually that is a big piece right there. Relating back to the things that you went through as a teen, like what would you have liked for your parents to have been able to to do or provide for you that they weren't able to, or that they they didn't yeah. at that time? Like those are the things we need to look forward, like look too. So like, yes. So moving into tip number two, mm-hmm. it's my favorite <laughs> not tip ever. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Uh, Lisa Bravo talks about in episode 68, teens tend to prefer to interact in a different way, which includes the fact that they are on a different schedule. So again, and you talk about this a lot with your kids and my kids have told it to me over and over again. And I literally have to bite my tongue to adhere to this tip of yours that you do with your kids. All right. So what do I do with my kids? now? You don't start talking to them the second they get in the car or the second they get home after school. Oh, yeah. You let them chillax a little bit. Remember the whole Yorkie thing? My kids walk in the door and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, you're home. Yay, yay. How was school? What'd you do? And my daughter, thank God, because she's a more articulate one. She'll be like, mom, you are too much. It has been a long day. (laughs) I need to decompress. And then she goes upstairs and my son follows suit because she's the one who like said exactly what they were thinking. And you know what? That's that's so true. I mean, think about it. When you've had a long day, you just want to be alone, quiet with your thoughts for a little bit sometimes. Yes. And I think it, it also goes into other people's expectations because putting all of our happiness and excitement to see our kids is like, making them feel that they have to be excited at the same level or like it's the good day comment. And my husband really articulated this to me like, did you have a good day? Well, when you ask, did you have a good day? Your expectation is that, yeah, I had a good day. It was good. Even if that may not be what you're feeling inside. So my best tip to deal with this is you just have to pretend like you don't care and like nothing phases you. And I do this all the time when I'm trying to uh, get a little bit more information out of my kids and trying to get them to talk more, both the 10-year-old and the almost 15-year-old. I'm like, yeah, so like, you know, just a day at school. Yeah, it was just a day. Did it turn out like you thought it would? And this is how I do it. Yeah, I mean, nothing was good. It was it was just kind of a boring day. I'm like, oh, oh, cool. And I'll just sit there and like, and then more comes out during that silence. As long as I just pretend like I am not interested at all. I'm just like, whatever you say you is it good. Cool. It's good. You're like, yeah, you play yeah, it cool. Whatever. You know, even I'm, I'm an excited Yorkie inside <laughs> Brie, when I'm playing it cool. Trust me. 
It's like a big act. (laughs) Yeah. So meeting them where they are, giving them that space, understanding that they have a different schedule. Their schedule has changed. They need to relate at different Mm -hmm. times and that they have different needs and that they can articulate them, hopefully better than they could when they were younger. Yes. And I would say that later schedule, knowing that the teens have this later schedule, it is the one thing that prevents me from completely losing all of my composure when I'm asked late at night to do things. Like (laughs) that is the thing that is keeping me grounded. I still adhere to the boundaries. I'll still be like, okay, I can, I can do this for five minutes and I can give those five minutes, but I, yeah, I have a really hard time interacting later at night. And we have a third tip for you too, which is like one of the biggest things I feel like, Brie, that you have put into action recently and have seen some results with. So we'll talk about that right after the break. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. So far, we've shared that with these teens, recognize that the stage can start early, the needing more space, and that they tend to want to interact more on their schedule versus our own schedule. And then our third tip, Brie, you've had some experience with implementing lately. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this third one, we actually just recently talked about this during the episode that we had. And I'm trying to remember which one did we have it with? I think it was... Tasha Shore, we were talking about this with, about how you Mm -hmm. need to not come in with an agenda, that this will only frustrate Mm. your kid. A teen can smell your fear 
from a mile away. <laughs> no, <laughs> they can spell any emotion can, or any intention you they have. Can figure out that anything. you're trying an angle so easily. But no, yeah. in, in all seriousness, not coming in with an agenda. What that means is like me with the excited Yorkie. I want to have a run back to when we would snuggle on the couch and have hot chocolate and watch Christmas movies together, or just like where I want that Hallmark moment with my kids. I want to have the time where I'm feeling connected and I walk out and I'm like, oh, my heart is full. I know how my kids are doing. They're happy. They're okay. Nobody is like really, really sad because I'm always worried about that. But If you come in without that agenda, without all that pressure, which you kind of talked about with the whole, like, how was your day? It's the pressure for them to be able to give you that whole, that relationship, that moment, that interaction that you're dreaming up in your head. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't happen, you're disappointed and your kid is frustrated because they're like, what the heck? So just coming in and just enjoying being around and not having that agenda makes it come easier, the connection. Yeah. Accepting them as they are, I think. And that's a really hard thing to do because I mentioned the top golf thing. And honestly, like when we went there, one of my kids wasn't feeling well and Mm -hmm. was just sitting there the whole time, sad, withdrawn. And if I had approached the situation with, oh my gosh, we spent so much money here and we wanted to go out as a family and we don't go out as a family very often. And like, what's wrong? How can I help you? That would have been a really, really bad night. But instead, I approach the situation with like, I'm sorry, what can I get you? Anything I can do to help? No. Okay. And then I just went on and did my thing. I didn't try to force anything on them. I didn't suggest anything for them to do, which I have had to work on a lot. Like a lot. Because we are, we yes. want to fix it, right? Because as the moms, we carry, a lot of us mm-hmm. carry that mental load or that expectation that we're supposed to take care yes. of everybody's mental health and the family. So we think it's our job to fix any issues. That is something that goes through my head a lot. Mm-hmm. And I also want to tack onto that, that it doesn't have to be that way. Like you hear so much about moms carrying the whole family's emotional load. And while we do sense things going on, We don't have to fix it to make sure people are taken care of. Um, All Mm -hmm. we have to do is just be around. Like we, we don't have to take that on ourselves. That is their feelings. That is their emotions. We have no control ultimately on that. And I know from experience, when I try to fix it, it just makes them matter and it makes it worse. So also like us coming in and trying to fix this, like coming in with our expectations and trying to get everybody to rise up to where that expectation is. How does that help anybody in our family deal with those uncomfortable emotions that we all know we all are going to have? Because I don't know what's called life. Yeah. Like we all have times where we're bored, we're frustrated, we're mad, we're sad, we're sick, whatever it is. We all have these uncomfortable emotions that we have to learn to deal with. And if you don't, then it gets bigger and bigger and hello, anxiety. Well, how are you? (laughs) What I've learned recently is that dealing with those emotions and going through it is actually how people get to a mature adulthood level. Yeah. It's been shown that teens who engage in substance abuse or anyone who's engaged in substance abuse when they're younger aren't at the same emotional level than people who aren't. If they look at like two 25-year-olds, one has had substance abuse issues and has numbed the pain and then has numbed a lot of stuff while the other has gone through it and like sought 
strategies and help and really felt those emotions, that 25-year-old who felt the emotions would be more emotionally mature, more able to handle situations than that 25-year-old who numbed the pain through alcohol or drugs or tried to make it go away. So I've heard, yeah, I've heard similar stories with like adverse situations occurring and how that can cause those issues in your development. Yeah. So emotions are a really good thing to go through, especially the uncomfortable emotions. So that's also what I draw from when my kids are experiencing those uncomfortable emotions. It's me telling myself, Mm -hmm. okay, this is actually what's going to make them emotionally stable later in life, letting them deal with this and just me being here for support instead of me trying to fix it. And I think that that's a big thing too. It helps them be able to understand that is a gift that we can give our kids of that. There are people that will let you be you Mm -hmm. and that appreciate you where you are in life. And that those are the people that you probably want to spend your life with and and relationships of friends, romantic, whatever it is, as opposed to the people that are constantly trying to quote unquote fix you or get you to follow their plan. So again, like us doing this as a teen helps them understand that where they are is important, what they feel is important, and that they do have the ability to work through it and to have relationships with people that don't have preconceived expectations of them. So I know that sounds crazy and big, but like, so we're saying that by you just coming in and hanging out with your kids and not necessarily having an agenda and not trying to have this hallmark moment happen 24 seven, every time you're around your teen, that you're actually helping them understand how relationships work, how healthy relationships work. Mm -hmm. And you're giving them those foundations for moving forward. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because the people you lose it around or that you have lost it around and have gone in the dumps and they know exactly how you feel and you, you've you risen up, they're the people you feel closest to. Like I feel the closest yeah. to you, to Shana, to Me. Josh and my sister, who I have gone really head to head with. <laughs> but like sisters are always there. Even like, oh, my sister-in-law too. Cause we've had disagreements in the past where we've been like really crying on the phone and yelling at each other and stuff, but we've resolved them. And it's one of those things, letting people have those emotions without taking them personally. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's a big one with teens. You can't take things you personally. Take it personally. I know we can say that and it's easy to say, and we're here to tell you, we know it's hard to do. It's emotionally gut-wrenching when you're in the moment. Yeah, but you need to do it or else it'll just drag you down. Long, long-term, long it's going to be the best thing ever, long-term. So those are our tips for when you want your teens to spend time with you and they're not and how to meet them at their yeah. level and really all the relationships that you want in your life. They're great for those as well. Yeah. And that we're here also to tell you, it's totally normal totally when your normal. preteen is doing this, going and going down this path. It is a normal stage of development, but stick with those three things and you'll see some positive progress where your ghosts of kids in the future, it'll get there. Mm-hmm. Promise it will. So remember the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were. 
But the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.